The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. In the course of his teaching, Jesus said to the crowds, Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, seats of honor in synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. They will receive a very severe condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury, for they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she from her poverty has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. We celebrate this 32nd Sunday in ordinary time. The tabernacle candle in the church burns this week in loving memory of Marjorie Ann Laville. This Sunday after the 11 o'clock Mass today, uh, we'll honor Father Hill on his retirement at a reception at the Activity Center at Sacred Heart Parish. We invite all of you to please come and extend your appreciation and good wishes to Father Hill. The monthly Crew Life Mass is this Tuesday at 5.30 p.m., the rosary will be led by the KCs at 5 p.m. before the Mass. This Saturday, after the 8 a.m. Mass, I will be giving a talk in the cafeteria titled, Indulgences Outdated. Are we all are invited to attend and bring a friend or two along with you. The topic is timely for the month of November. I will include the history of indulgences up to today and why they are, in fact, still very important for us. On that same note, uh, the Holy Father has announced uh, through the Apostolic Penitentiary that uh, the All Souls, the, the octave of All Souls and All Saints uh, indulgences can be gained through the month of November. Uh, so if you're here on All Saints or All Souls, we mentioned that November 1st through the 8th, uh, you can go each of those eight days to the cemetery and pray for the faithful departed and fulfill the other conditions necessary uh, that were included in the bulletin. And then you can gain a plenary indulgence for uh, a soul in purgatory. Uh, and the Holy Father has, has announced, uh, just as was done last year, that you can gain those eight, you can do those eight days anytime during the month of November, not simply during the first to the eighth. So if you've been doing that, if you missed a day or two, uh, we've got extra time to be able to do so. And again, we strongly encourage you to be able to, to offer those wonderful prayers, graces, and indulgences for the faithful departed. In addition to these things, uh, in a couple of weeks on Saturday, November 20th, we'll be having our second parish work day from 9 a.m. Uh, to 12 noon that day. We'll be focusing pri primarily on landscaping, so it'll be primarily outdoor tasks, but we will have a few more indoor things as well. I invite you also to look at the bulletin for more details. The Diocesan Office of Vocations will be holding a one-day retreat for high school girls uh, on Saturday, December the 11th. Uh, this is for uh, those uh, young ladies who are discerning religious life or open to discerning religious life. I uh, would invite you to, to contact the Office of Vocations to sign up or to see the bulletin or the flyer in the back of the church for more information.
In our readings today, we hear a common refrain of generosity that is a manifestation of faith and of love. It begins with the widow of Zarephath, the woman who is uh, a Gentile, not even of the Jewish faith. And yet, just as often is the case with those Gentiles that our Lord comes across, she exhibits a tremendous faith that is often not seen in the people of Israel. She comes, she is there walking in the city as Elijah the prophet, the great prophet, happens to pass by in the Lord's providence and time. And he requests of her a glass of water. And this is a simple request, and she obliges. But as she begins to leave to go get him a glass of water, he asks also for a little bit of bread. Bring me a little cake, please. And to this, she responds, she has only enough food that she is about to go make for her last supper for herself and her son. And after this, there is no more food, and they are to die. There will be nothing left for them. And in response to this, Elijah allows himself to be used by the Lord as that prophetic voice, as often was the case. And he tells her, it shall not be so. If you give me the food, you will have enough as well. The flour will continue to increase. The jug of oil will not run dry. And she makes a tremendous act of faith. It's a, it's a, a, a gamble of the highest order. Because if she gives him the, if she gives him the, 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 the flour and the oil in the form of, of a bit of bread, and he doesn't deliver on his end of things, she doesn't even have a last meal. She's eaten it already and didn't even know it. A profound act of faith that she makes in allowing Elijah's word, which is the word of the Lord spoken through him, to challenge her and to invite her to trust, to trust in God, the God that she herself didn't even worship. And yet she was already beginning to trust in him, a profound trust. And this profound trust is answered and acknowledged by the Lord. And all of these things come to pass that Elijah says. She has the food for a whole year for herself, for her son, and also for Elijah, who himself, it seems, just sets up shop at her house and decides to stay for a while. The Lord provides an abundance, not just for herself and her son, but even for a third. The Lord is never outdone in generosity. And this we see through this woman shown here. Another example of generosity is that of the woman in the gospel we just heard. She who comes and places her whole livelihood in the treasury. And this is for the reason the Lord points to the fact that she gave more, not quantitatively, but qualitatively. She, didn't, she gave far less than the majority of people who came that day, likely all of them. But they gave of their surplus wealth. They gave of the extras that were left over. They could still provide for themselves. They still had a house. They still had food. They still had all the necessities provided for. And that which was left over, they gave of and gave of generously. But this woman gives everything she has, not even knowing where the next meal will come from, and who knows what the rest of her condition of her life might have been. But the two small coins, the few cents that she offers to the treasury, are everything she has. And being as the Lord points this out and makes an example of her to be able to, to, to show this to his apostles, the disciples who are gathered around him, one must believe necessarily that he provided for her. 
that he didn't simply watch her put in the two coins and then, uh, you know, let her hope for the best later on. That certainly that he would have in some way, whether directly himself or by another means, allowed her to be provided for and blessed for this generosity. Because here too, much like the woman of Zarephath, the widow there, this woman comes and she gives it all as a sign of trust. Trust that God is going to take care of her. Trust that God will provide for her. And certainly he would have. In these things, again, we are invited to reflect upon this generosity that these two women exhibit because they are signs of their faith in God, the trust that he will provide, and ultimately also for their love for him. The willingness to go to great lengths is a sign of their love, that sign of another visible manifestation of sorts of their trust. And all of this, our Lord himself shows us also in the letter to the Hebrews as we have the continuation from last week, this reflection upon the great high priest who comes and offers not something outside of himself, as the high priest of the Old Testament would. They would go and slay the lamb and sprinkle the blood in the Holy of Holies upon the Ark of the Covenant to be able to appease the one true God. But our Lord enters into the Holy of Holies, the true temple, not made by hands, but in heaven itself. And there he offers not a blood of bulls or goats or birds, but his own blood, and thus we are saved. It would have been enough for our Lord to be able to offer even a single drop of his blood, but he allows himself to be drained on the cross, blood pouring out in rivers. The abundance of God's generosity here is also made manifest to us. Anything that we give to our blessed Lord is only because he himself has first been abundantly generous with us. And this is why we can give and should give of generously of ourselves, because it is always simply a response. There's nothing that we do in return to God that is something that we ourselves have first initiated. Always it is a response. Again, as Pope Benedict mentioned in his encyclical Deus Caritas Est, Anytime we say to God, I love you, what we really mean is, I love you too, because he himself spoke it first. It's our Lord who has been abundantly generous with us and invites us to be generous to him. For each of us, that may look like something different. For some, it may be, as the individual in the gospel, it may be a generosity of finances, to be able to consider how it is that we give generously to the, to the church, right, in tithing, or how it is that we serve the poor in their needs. For others, it will be a matter of the generosity of one's own time. Many of us are busy about many things, much like Martha in the Gospel, when it was Mary who chose the better part and sat at the feet of our Lord to listen to his words. For some of us, the generosity the Lord asks is for our time, to give something of our day to him, to give a little more of our day if we give a little bit already, to give generously and to know that we will be blessed in the end. St. John Vianney used to encourage frequently uh, the farmers in his community not to work on the Lord's day. He said, if you do not work on the Lord's day, if you don't go out into the field on the Lord's day, the Lord will make the other six days even more fruitful and you will cover exactly the same amount of ground, if not more. If we allow of our Lord to have the time that we ourselves sometimes like to use 
for our own endeavors, he will bless our work elsewhere and make it even more fruitful than we might have imagined. When we start our day with prayer, it's fascinating how often the things that we need to get done that day get done because he allows us in some mysterious way to do them. For some of us, it may be the talents that we have, the gifts that he has given to us that can be put to the service of the church in, in, in our institutional sense or just in the, in, the, in the service of another person. How often the Lord may place it before us an individual with whom we have some common, common need. They have a need and we have a gift to be able to provide. Sometimes here, to be able to give generously of ourselves. But most of all, no matter which of those three we might be called to, all of us are called to be generous in the gift of our love and our faith. To love the Lord with all of our heart is the greatest commandment. And this is the gift that our Lord especially desires of us. As we may be called individually to be generous in particular ways, all of us called to give ourselves to him. A great sign of trust, a great sign of faith, a sign of love, which he himself has already shown us in abundance and simply desires to see in return.